Well, hi, everybody. It's Kim Winter from Logistics Executive again. Welcome to the show. Um, today, we have a very, very interesting guest um, who is hailing all the way from Amsterdam. Jeroen van der Holst. Jeroen, how are you doing? Yeah, doing fine, Kim. Good to, uh, good to talk to you again. Good. And the greeting in Dutch is what? Goede avond. Goede avond. There you go. Well, well done. Well done. So thanks for that. And uh, you're on. We've crossed tracks in various parts of the world over the years, but um, really interested to talk to you tonight because you are in a very, very unique industry uh, and an especially unique time. And uh, where and you're and, and you're a leader in the space of of flowers, fresh flowers around the world. Before we start, I always like to introduce our guests in terms of their background. Um, yeah. You're the managing director and owner of Flower Watch BV, BV being the Dutch uh, company. You're also the managing director and owner of uh, Flower Watch in Kenya, where I think we first uh, came across you uh, well over a decade ago. Uh, you're also the uh, partner for Flower Watch in Japan, so multinational. And uh, also you are also uh, managing director and consultant, or you were, of uh, Hortowise, which is a, a horticultural company, and, and looking at your uh, bio before the top of the show, I could see that you were involved in auctioneering many years ago as well. So maybe we'll drill down on a couple of those things. But uh, like many Dutch, um, very much into horticulture, agriculture. Um, the Dutch, of course, are famous for their trading. And I believe the Dutch originally commenced the, uh, the the trade or the stock stock market many many years ago um, through trading through the Dutch East Indies, which is now of course uh, Indonesia. But uh, you're on absolute pleasure. Thanks for giving up your evening for us in uh, Amsterdam. I take it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just Amsterdam. some. Yeah, on one of my absolute favourite cities, one of the most romantic cities in the world. Um, and by all means, give us a bit of a heads up on your upbringing. Where did it all start for you? What were you doing as a kid? What was the background? What were your inspirations? What were the eureka moments? And how the hell did you end up doing what you're doing? Hey, that, that's uh, I, I've, I've grown up in one of these flower-producing villages. And, right. and uh I think that's that. That is age eleven. I had my first job in the greenhouse. Okay. And then later on in the summers, digging the bulbs, uh, and we would call it peeling the bulbs, um, uh, rooting cuttings. And then at fifteen, I got my first job in the rose farm, and that that was absolutely fantastic. And I, and I think it's that spirit of being proud on this flower industry that that out of my football team, all my friends from my football team, out of sixteen. 11 of them ended up in flower business and the other five have, ah, they have lousy jobs like lawyers and accountants. <laughs> wow, that's that's a big percentage of the crew, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think this, this whole place lives, breathes and eats, thinks flowers all day long. And, and, and I think that that's, hey, we have people in trading, we have people in production, we have people in, in being cold store experts, we, we, have, we have breeders, growers, and yeah, and, and I'm in between with my own business. Um, and 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 I think that it's that that passion for flower business, which is sort of naturally growing up, but also being entrepreneurial and looking after your own money, looking after your own income. That that's all part of it. Yeah. Um, so what yeah, was it like? Did, did this drill down when you were brought up as a kid? So 
what was life like for those of us who, you know, have not experienced uh, Holland back in the, back in the day over twenty years ago, John? <laughs> yeah, well, in, in a certain way, it, it, it was twenty minutes away from Amsterdam, but village life. And and I think you might have been you, you might have spent more time in Amsterdam than I did. Yep, had and, an uh, had an office there for seven years and loved going every bit of it. Yeah, and, and and for us it was hey, early on pick up your jobs uh, six o'clock Saturday morning on the flower farm harvesting flowers. The students, the school kids, were the were the cheap labour. But we also had money at age fifteen. You could buy your own motorbike. You could uh, wow. buy your own taxi to go to the pub, to go to the bar, and have your have your drinks with your friends. So it, it's growing up on those flower farms, learning how to work, putting in a lot of hours, and and but also having your own money and and being independent and and being proud and being entrepreneurial. Yeah. And, and I think that is what, and of course, flower business going from local production for local markets to global for global, yeah, the, sort of half of the flower business in the place where I've grown up has disappeared. So if you want to stay in, you have to think internationally. Right. And, and, and that's also what put my, my, my career on, on track. I, I love the flower business. I love the international part of it. And I feel comfortable traveling and roaming around and um, yeah, so that, that is the two passions uh, combined, international business and, and flowers. And if I'm not mistaken, that is a bunch of freshly cut tulips or roses behind you. What have we got? Yeah, no, this, is, this is Dutch tulips, just fresh from the farm. We've just taken the camera. Let's have a look for anybody who hasn't seen enough flowers recently. A lot of us have been locked away. There you go, folks. <laughs> look at that. Beautiful. So yeah. orange and yellow. Yeah, so this is a tulip, yeah, and a bright yeah, it will turn red and yellow a bit later oh, on. God. This is fresh, fresh, fresh from the farm. Oh, they look this is now with the kids on our bikes and yeah, went to the farm. Oh. Paid five euro for this bunch. Oh, that's stop it. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, hey, so that that was the upbringing. And um, as I say, uh, you know, the, I've been a, a lot of times in, in Amsterdam with our offices and, and uh, very close to Amsterdam. You know, we have a joint venture office in Germany and Amsterdam. With, uh, with some guys here, and interestingly enough, um, from out, from your perspective, you, you branched off like like many people from Holland. You yeah. branched off internationally. Now I know you've got a big operation in Kenya, and yeah. uh, but talk to us a little bit about your business, and then I want to talk about the industry because it's really interesting. I know there's a lot of really Serious yeah. dynamics going on in the fresh cut flower industry globally at the moment as a result of a couple of key factors in the last year or so. Yeah, yeah, no, let's say my own business. I started Flower Watch in uh, late 2003, and, and that was after I uh, uh, studied chemistry, got my uh, grades, and, and, and went to Australia working on flower farms. Um, but I, I I hated the job on the lab and I loved the jobs in flower business. So I found a flower lab and that's my job. And I, I, I liked flower training. I became an auctioneer in the flower market. And at age 22, I made my first business trip to Kenya. As in, you know about flowers. Uh, you know that these flowers are poor quality. Go there, explain to people what they need to improve and let's see that we raise their prices. And, and, and that's how the traveling started. And that's how creating value for flower production farms started. And then I did it from the auction. I spent a few years uh, flower research, both harvest and train logistic transport research. Um, but then I, I, hey, I felt that I could do things better, that I, was, could, I could see more value. 
And I just one day I quit my job and started my own business. Wow. Um, and, and I think that was typically in those times. A flower farm in Kenya, 20 hectares, that's about 500 people. That's about 5 million USD turnover. And, and so this is, they, your own, this is your own farm? No, no. So this is not my own farm, okay. but I, I was, I had good relations with the farms. Right. Got it. As, as an auctioneer on the market, I could see that one typical farm would put a million flowers on the market, the roses. Yeah. The neighbors were also putting a million roses on the market. And one was making 20 cents a stem and the other one was making 22 cents. Okay. And it was 2 million cents a week net return to farm extra. Well, by the end of the year, that's that's a million dollars additional return to farm for slightly better quality, slightly better packaging, cooling, and 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 I thought, hey, there's a business in bringing up farms to better standards, and help the farms make more money on the market. And 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 that was just not a proper business plan, more as a gut feeling, as in, hey, we, we can make this work. And I knew the farms, and they knew me, and there was great trust. So I just uh, started traveling and, and just a bit of training, a bit of consulting. Um, and, and we were able to, to push up prices and, and help farms make increase their net return. And, and, and I was just a service provider, just a one-man show traveling. And, and as the business relations grew and developed, they said, well, we need someone quality checking more flowers in the market. Can you do that? And of course, yes, we can do that. And within one year, we went from 20 to 40 to 60 farms that in East Africa, in Kenya, in Tanzania, in Zimbabwe, in Zambia, asking us to do their quality checks. And all of a sudden, we had a business. I, I had weekly recurring income. I had quality controllers, and the farms loved the service. Their customers on the markets loved their service. So we, 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 we started doing quality checks. We started doing fast life tests. So the fast life tests in, in Europe, the flowers are put on sale in the market. We have a guarantee that they will last seven days. Yeah. And of course, there, there needs to be a lab that checks that promise. So we built the lab. We started checking flowers and fully automated. And these days, at any given moment, we have 800 best bun flower bunches in our lab that are tested and monitored and videoed by cameras. Um, and, and we started troubleshooting. And, and slowly, steadily, this all sort of became bigger. We had an office in Netherlands. We had an office in Kenya. We had a franchise partner in Japan. And, and all of a sudden, we had a global presence, let's say Europe, Asia, and, and, and Africa. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that it was, I, I, I love the work. It was great working with the team. It was great working with our customers. And, and uh, but what, what really bothered me that was we were troubleshooters. We were testing flowers or quality checking flowers that were in a poor supply chain. And, and my, my passion is more about improving that supply chain. What can we do better tomorrow? Yeah avoid today's problems and um but hey there was demand for our other services so it was a bit of how do we grow and develop a company yeah. and um so we're still a service provider we we are the independent neutral party so we we have growers as our customer we have freight forwarders like uh and total touch as our customer we have we have air france scale and cargo as our customer and we have a whole bunch of retailers and flower traders in Europe and Asia as our customer. And, 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 and that is the, um, but I, I feel there is much more money, much more value to be created in the supply chain. And, so, and, so it's an emerging industry. It's not, you don't yeah. consider that it's reached its nadir yet. It's, it's, it's on its way up still. 
Yeah, I, I would say if you if you look flower business, sort of late 80s, mm. East Africa started producing flowers. And at that time, flowers were produced in Netherlands and exported around uh, Europe. And the bigger cities in Europe also had their own flower production. It was all local for local. And, and even my own little village had their own local flower auction, their own local flower market. But I... But as and retail supermarkets did not sell flowers in the 80s. They didn't, they started selling flowers in the mid-90s and spectacular increases in volumes. And, and this whole, because in Netherlands it's really expensive to grow flowers in winter. Sure. But in East Africa on the equator, and also South America, Ecuador and Colombia, highlands on the equator, you have the eternal spring. You can produce flowers year-round. And all of a the sudden, there was a year-round supply and a year-round market developed in the retail. And I think that is, uh, I, I can remember being an auctioneer at an import flower auction. And we had on a weekly base in 2000, there were, it was massive. There were two DC-10 flights a day, 400 tons a week of flowers imported. And uh, can you believe it's such a big business? And and you're on. This is flowers just into the to, to the ne the Netherlands flower market. You're talking about at the moment, which caters for the whole of Europe. So give it right. Okay, so it's a hub. Uh, so many questions about this, and I'm sure this is representative yes. of a lot of our listeners that w won't be aware of the industry. So yeah. you talk. How many how many flower stems, therefore, say from East Africa or Kenya? would be, uh, I presume, has been at least, and maybe you can talk to us a little bit about how they're getting there but uh, in a minute, but how many flower stands on a week would go into Europe from just East Africa, roughly? That, that is, to, so, so let's say in the year 2000, it was 400 tons a week. Yep. Currently, Nairobi exports 5,000 tons a week. 5,000 tons a week. How many stands is that? Oh, uh, that's oh. million kilos and 40, 40 stems in a kilo. So that is... Uh, We're in the millions here, clearly. 100 million flowers a week, yeah. yeah. 100 million flowers a week, just yeah. out of East Africa, into Europe. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, Kenya, yeah, yeah. And then okay. there's Ethiopia. Just from Kenya. Okay, yeah. you told me before that uh, the reason we're doing this tonight is because next week you're down to Nairobi and then into, into Dar es Salaam in Ethiopia as well. So Ethiopia is becoming a big growing centre, or is it already? Yeah, no, Ethiopia started their flower business around 2005, and I think they're roughly at 40 50% of Nairobi's or of Kenya's export volumes. Already? Wow. Let's so Kenya is a giant, and, and, and Ethiopia is, is, is the, the big number two. Unbelievable. And so just panning out, a uh, little bit on the helicopter. Where do the where do the other volumes of flowers come into? I, I presume Europe is the biggest market. Would that be correct? Bigger than the US? Yeah, I I I think that that there, there's it's a very different market. So the US market is still big just because of the size of that market. But but I think that here in Europe, every Friday, as a as a husband, you're expected to bring flowers. <laughs> and, right. And, and, and that's, I think the Americans are not as loyal buying flowers for their there wives. There you go. Buy flowers Valentine's Day, and they think they can do it out the rest of the year. Maybe but I think in it's a, it's a year-round market. And I think in, in the U.S., it's Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, the wedding season, and then it's sort of 
it reduces tenfold maybe. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but it's the peak days that come. And, and here in Europe, we have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and where else now? For example, I was in Australia just pre-COVID and uh, dealing with a client there that imports flowers. Uh, they're coming from Brazil as well, South America, growing. Yeah. Yeah, well, Brazil is not has, has a big local market, so they produce their own flowers for their own market. They're, they're not really exporters, but Colombia, Colombia. are also big players and supply the North American market, the Russian market, and 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 then the smaller markets for them are the okay. Asian markets, and that is where the Kenyans and and the South Americans are uh, competing. All right, uh, I, I can't get my head around a hundred million flowers a week. Yeah. into Europe out of just Kenya. Yes, yeah. And in, yeah. and in fact, I've been to Naivasha where I think you've got interests and do a lot of work and you're probably yeah. going to be there next week would be my guess. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's staggering. I went to a hilltop there a, a few years ago overlooking uh, Lake Naivasha, which is a staggeringly yeah. beautiful part of uh, the Rift Valley in Kenya. And there are just... just uh, glass houses or plastic white houses in the hills everywhere. Very conservation conscious, of course, but uh, it's staggering the growth there for industry. And a great yeah. employer and, and excellent for the economy. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's an enormous business. It has, it has seen a tenfold growth in the last two decades. And and it's also the, the, either tea or flowers are, are Kenya's biggest foreign income earner. Yeah. So it's when, when it's tea season or when the Pakistani buy their tea, that's their biggest export market. And the other parts of the year, it's the Dutch and their flowers being the biggest export market. Okay. Okay. 100,000 direct jobs and there's maybe a million, a million and a half indirect jobs for flower industry. It's, it's, it's enormous. And, 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 and production-wise, developments have been, there's enormous increase in production just because the market could absorb those flowers. Um, there's also an enormous professionalism, professionalizing in, in production. Um, Kenya, let, let's say people would know flower by business because of using chemicals to kill pests and diseases. Well, what, what little other people know, the support industry, um, you, they call it dudu tech. Dudu is the Swahili word for bug, insect. And, and if you have a disease as an insect eating your flowers, there's probably a natural predator another insect eating the bad insects. And, and, and Kenya has three companies that are producing uh, uh, the, the, the natural predators. I've seen, I've seen this. My business partner, Daryl, who you know, yeah. has been yeah. consulting over recent years down there in terms of yeah. network and air networks and whatever. He came back with a video about three years ago of a farm that makes, that, that produces. Yeah, yeah. And, and spiders. Yeah, 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 yeah. They, they, you have something which calls which is called spider mites, and there is another that eats the flowers, but there's a natural one that eats the pest. And 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 funny enough, these natural ones work even better than 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 the, the, uh, than no, the chemicals. no chemicals. And and that is where where this industry is in enormous growth towards sustainability, reduction of chemicals, natural predators, and Kenya is so strong that these companies became exporters of of beneficial insects yes. to countries around the world. Unbelievable! So it's an enormous professional development, more production, better varieties, bigger varieties, higher production, uh, um, um, biological predators or biological pest control. 
and 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 then all all field of work logistics that is where the massive growth was there and and coaching wise Kenya has made a lot of improvements but then we look at packaging and and we've used the same box for the last 35 years yeah. and and the, the the weights per aircraft the number of kilos of flowers per aircraft have come down with about 10 15% instead of doing better in the last 15 years or or full metric weights have got, have gone down and and uh, but these days with 5000 tons a week air freighted out of Kenya uh, any small improvement that we make will have an enormous impact in in carbon footprint reduction in 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 a, in much better uh, value proposal and and and, and that's what i realized we've always worked on product quality on improving the market value getting your keeping your quality under control but what we have realized is that if we work on quality we can uh, develop smart logistic solutions so let's so let's just uh, I'll jump in there and just let's drill down on this so when we're talking about product quality i presume the longevity yeah. of the stem yeah. of flowers yeah. through yeah. the uh, the science of yeah. uh, of horticulture the yeah. longer the life you've got the more yeah. sustainable yeah. the supply chain is and the better productivity you're getting and the less wastage is that right and better pricing i presume yeah, yeah, no, no, I think that, that that's what the supermarkets pay for. The flowers should be three or four days in the shop and still a week at the consumer, but preferably two weeks. That, that That's value. And that's what, what will people to make a return purchase. And, and, and that's been good enough for our business for the last 10, 15 years, as we work on better quality, work on better opening flowers, just work. Let's say there's this young man buying red roses on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Hey, he's spend the fortune he's a bit nervous giving these flowers to his girlfriend I mean, it must be the right quality sure. it must be this nice scent it must be this nice color and it must be nice in the house for at least another 10 days and, and that's been our, our original work and it was it was increasing the product value and that made that paid for our services and and but slowly steadily we, we've seen that that hey we have this under control so flowers are is it's a perishable product it's a highly perishable product but why, with our work focusing on product quality, we've learned that flowers are not as perishable as we think. So, so tell me then, how long, as a, as a layman, as a punter, like the rest of our audience, maybe most of them, yeah. uh, for for us, how long will if a flower is cut tonight in Kenya, and mm. then I presume it's going to be packed the next day, shipped the next day out of Nairobi, or even quicker, and land in the massive, massive uh, flower hub which I want you to talk about a little bit in a minute because I'm sure you've got some incredible stats about that. And for those who haven't seen it, probably go on to YouTube and look at the Netherlands Flower Hub. It is yeah. a sight to behold. Um, so, so how long can we expect the flowers to last? Because I, like many of the men on this uh, in the audience today, have been found guilty and looked at the face of a woman when you hand over substandard flowers. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I think traditionally what you would see that uh, Monday's harvest in Naivasha is is dispatched Tuesday night from Naivasha. It then flies Wednesday night Nairobi to Amsterdam or Nairobi to Liège. It arrives on the Thursday and it, it's, it's on the market on Friday in time for the weekend sales, in time for the people that want to impress their wives and their girlfriends. Uh, with, with a nice bunch of flowers. And this is for my wife at home. If I visit my mum, I buy flowers. If I visit my mother-in-law, I buy flowers. 
And I think that's the whole market. If you visit France, you bring flowers in, in, in Europe, in Germany, in Netherlands, all around. And, and so it, it's a supply chain. Um, but traditionally, we have seen that flowers lose part of their quality, lose part of that value in that three or four day journey. And, and therefore, we must use the fastest, but also the most expensive and also the most uh, um, um, leaving, leaving the biggest footprint supply chain. Right. So let's just hold it there because this is the next question in my mind. Yes. Since about just over a year ago, the global aviation sector collapsed and we all yeah. know why. And we probably, most people who haven't been in supply chain or certainly in logistics or the aviation part of of logistics probably are not aware that the high degree of every flight, of the weight and the capacity of every passenger flight is dedicated to freight. And I think that's got a lot more focus and spotlight over the last 12 months for all the wrong reasons. But nonetheless, that's the case. So... What has happened since the world changed at the beginning of last year in terms of capacity and what effect has that had on the supply chains that you are right in the middle of? Yeah, well, let's say with this 5,000 tonnes a week, uh, about 40% of, that's the export volumes out of Nairobi for perishables and about a lot of it is on on, on full freighters. So uh, uh, Emirates, uh, Air France, KLM, yeah. Uh, uh, Singapore, uh, Ethiopian cargo locks. That, 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 that's the, the airline. And how many flights is that? 5,000 tons. That's a lot of flights. How many flights a week would that on average be out of Nairobi? It's, it's the equivalent of about 54 freighters a week. Wow. And, and But let's say 30%, 30, 40% of that capacity travels on the lower deck, on the belly capacity of passenger air- aircraft. Yep. And, and let's say uh, the smaller aircraft, 12 to 15 tons, the, the 777-300, maybe 20, 24 tons of flowers. So, so a 777-300 is almost like a freighter with a few passengers on top of it. And, and, and this capacity was wiped out overnight. And, and, and also, and, and this was capacity into Heathrow. There was capacity into France, into Frankfurt, into Chicago, uh, into Amsterdam. So what happened? And, and, and it, it just disappeared. And there's been an enormous shortage of capacity. And I think that early on in the crisis, the flower market was down, but later on, there was an enormous recovery. And, 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 and that recovery, that there was a shortage of freight capacity. And that means that there is now passenger aircraft, there's passenger freighters. So Kenya Airways has converted two of their Dreamliners into use the lower deck, take out the seats, and they use the main deck. And I think they have about 40, 46 tons on their on their Dreamliner. So for, uh, so for non-aviation people, the main deck, of course, is where the passengers would be sitting. Normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, uh, so it's, it's, uh, there's a shortage of capacity. It's, it's expensive. So where for the last decade, flower or air freight was, air freight capacity was, abundantly available and very affordable. And for this industry, overnight, it just became 20, 25% more expensive and 30 to 40% less capacity. So there you are with your plans for an expansion on your farm. That's with your plans for looking, uh, aiming for new markets. And, and it just became clear that, that, that Kenya's uh, fresh product industry exports, the, the, the flowers, the beans, um, was 
solely depending on 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 air freight yeah. and and while in south america the colombians have converted about 80% of their exports from air freight into sea freight yeah. and and that is where um we we we've been working with a few partners on on developing sea freight for cut flowers wow. and that means there's a long journey from nairobi to mombasa and then from mombasa to the middle east a trench ship and there in the Middle East in Salala in Jeddah you find the ships moving flowers uh, overseas through the Mediterranean around Spain and Portugal into Rotterdam uh, into Southampton and and that's uh, 24 32 and, and in the worst case even 42 day uh, shipments so tell us how has that I mean it's an incredible change to the supply chain and I want to talk about upstream supply chain back into the growing and, and yeah. the effect of the, the supply in a minute. But you've now hit the nail on the head that, and we talked yeah. about at the uh, the pre-show, the top of the show, yeah. that you had a really exciting announcement about sea freight. But how are the, the flowers being preserved uh, in that period for up, to, for up to 30, 40 days? Yeah, well, I, I, I think that that was one. Um, we, we've been focusing on excellent cold chains for, for years. Air France KLM Cargo has our seal, Flower Watch approved. We have different farms, uh, Flower Watch approved. Shortly, we will announce that one of the freight forwarders in Nairobi is Flower Watch approved. We, we've set and we've created a supply chain quality standard. Incredible. And, and that's a document that links the performance of the grower to the performance of the freight forwarder, to the performance of the airline and the importer. Then, then, then there's other quality standards, what they've focus on processes or on social labels or on environmental labels. This is a label that, 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 that label, let's say the quality, the KPIs, that's the core. Yep. And maybe there's a label, but we've set the KPIs that everybody in the flower supply chain should adhere to. Yep. And if you meet that, you're professional. And if you're not meeting it, your customers or your shippers are at risk of losing money. So within the period of just over a decade, you've established yourself as pretty much scientists and supply chain specialists right throughout the up and downstream supply chain, the yep. mid-market, the last mid-mile, last mile, and yep. you've established a quality standard that are, that other players that everybody's buying into, yeah? Yeah, 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 and, and that Incredible. is slowly steadily, steadily. And, and hey, I, I've been the scientist that turned entrepreneur. I, I'm this flower guy working in the greenhouse turning entrepreneur, and, and I could see it was necessary to create a value that we have a measurable KPIs because yeah. now we can sit around the table and say, hey, I want to have this service level. I want to have this service level. This is the cost. This is the value. Let's close the deal. Yeah. In my former job of quality checking to be the one giving a verdict on a poor shipment of flowers, I, that, that's the job I hate. Yeah. I can now sit with my business partners around the table and say, hey, there is a 10% saving on air freight possible. How do we land that saving? We must meet the API, and this airline is meeting it. And that airline has to play a few, has to turn a few uh, knobs before they can make it work. And and this is the right freight forwarder. They have the vacuum coolers. They have the right cold rooms. And and step by step, we've been closing this game. And then the crisis came, and and all of a sudden there was a need to be more efficient with air freight. All of a sudden there was a need to to work at long-term storage. And that can be a reefer box on a ship. On the Mediterranean, and 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 we, we've been 
yeah, incredibly lucky as in finding the farms and the shippers and the traders that were believing in, in, in the concept. And they've run the risk and it's all credits to them. Uh, but, but we've worked with them, we've set the protocols, we've trained, trained the staff, we've worked out the right post-harvest agreements, we've, we've worked out the right settings for the containers. Uh, we've worked closely with Musk, with CMA, CGM, um, and, 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 and then we started shipping in, in September. And, and I, I, pure from a technical perspective, I had good hopes that as in, hey, sea freight can be as good as air freight. And, and yeah, right from the first shipment and, and a lot of luck, but also a lot of hard work and a lot of people being committed to making this work, we could see that within two shipments, we, we had the right recipe. That's incredible. I'm sure I'm not the only person in this audience <laughs> that had, had no idea that uh, fresh flowers were being shipped from places like Kenya into Europe. What, what temperature is a matter of interest? Is the, uh, is the appropriate temperature to, to consider? Well, that, that, that is um, 0 0.5 degrees, as close as possible to the freezing point. 0 0.5 degrees wow. Celsius, about 32 Fahrenheit, as close as possible to zero without freezing. So, of and, course, and if you freeze the product, if you freeze the flowers, it destroys the fabric of them and they, they yeah. become uh, worthless. It's sold for the beauty, sold for the visual appearance, the attractiveness, and if, if it's frozen, it's damaged. It's, it's, it's the value is, is zero. Interesting stuff. And, and this is where what just think of growing red roses, if you plant a greenhouse full of red roses, every week you have 50,000 red roses. But who wants to buy red roses on New Year's Day? Nobody. Mm -hmm. uh, you go to a restaurant. Who wants to buy red roses in January? There's no market. There's tulips in January. Let's buy tulips. Let's forget about African red roses. But then comes Valentine's Day. If you can be able, so the normal price would be 10, 15 cents of a euro for a red rose, 50, centimeter, 50 centimeters. But then around Valentine, there's, there's a peak in the market and there's an enormous shortage of red roses. Traditionally on the farm, there are some tricks that you pull to create the market. But this year, the air, air cargo capacity was not there or it was there at double the rate. Um, but now we have sea freight as an alternative and you can game change to Valentine's Day. You can shift your late April or early April flowers. You can shift them to European Mother's Day. And, and I think this is this is where it's 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 we have something that is worthwhile financially. It's not an easy thing. Air freight in Kenya is still relatively affordable. Sea freight is highly expensive because of the inland transport, because of the port of Mombasa that needs to be upgraded. Uh, so so the financials are worthwhile, but not an immediate hit. But if you can in continue your investment because you know that there's something else besides air freight. If you can two or three times a year, you can push your cheap flowers that you might throw away because of lack of market to the peak day. And I think that's something else. Part of the crisis, flower business has gone online. The online trading creates enormous peaks in demand and that greenhouse just gives 50,000 roses a week, every, uh, every week of the year. But we need 10 times, 20 times more flowers on Valentine's Day. Yeah. And this freight is, is and possibly air freight followed by professional storage. That, that is where there's completely new market concepts coming. And, and we can probably make bouquets in Kenya early January, put them in the reefer box, 
shipped into the UK, where online sales has grown grown 500%. Unbelievable. And that's just over the last, what, year or two? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's say online flowers. It's been there. People have been working on it really hard, but it's it's gone enormous uh, volumes. Are what customers describe themselves a year ago as in we are a farm supplying retail and we do a bit of online. These days they will introduce themselves as in hey we are a supplier of online trade platforms, B two C, and we do a bit of retail flowers. That's that is a change. Is. So it's, it's, it's one of the most exciting years in flower business. The, the, the initial hit in the crisis was very hard. The recover, recovery after the initial part of the crisis is phenomenal. And now we have this, hey, there might be people in the world buying more flowers than ever before. And, and hey, let, let's, yeah, my, my mother-in-law is not listening, but the idea that I can send an online bouquet to my mother-in-law and I go fishing with my boys, that's an effective idea for the Saturday. Then um, I'm going to be a mother-in-law. Well, I know your wife's there, so you better warn her. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, you, you touched on something really interesting before, Dion. Um, you talked about online vegetables. Now, about two, two three years ago, I was uh, speaking at a conference in London, and I went into Tesco or ASDA, one of the two. And I was cooking, staying at home near Hyde Park, and I wanted to cook something up. I picked up some cut fresh vegetables, clearly fresh broccoli, some peas and beans. And when I got them home, I was undoing the packet, and I had a look on the back, and it said, freshly packed on Kenya, in Kenya, a day and a half before I opened the packet. Talk to us about that, because this is, are we talking about the same supply chains here, or is this something totally different? Yeah, yeah, no, there, there's a bit of a combination. Flowers are actually too light to fill an aircraft properly. If you start loading an aircraft with flowers, it's completely full. Right. You can't put in one single box, but there's another 10 tons. So you need your volumetric with your yeah. other capacity, yeah? Yeah, yeah. so your, uh, your light flowers are balanced off with heavy avocados, uh, uh, with beans, and... and um, and of course, Kenya is also upgrading their products. There's this uh, freshly uh, uh, ready uh, mixed vegetables, nicely packed for for um, uh, for, for your own uh, stir fry cooking. Um, well, I think with all those supply chains, the value adding does require a, a, a fantastically organised uh, supply chain with clear KPIs. It's so complex. This this would be part of the reason. Uh, a few months ago, and I had some family coming up from Nairobi, yeah. coming up here to Dubai. They could, they were all bumped off the flight. Just about yeah. everybody was bumped off the flight, and they were told it was because they were loading avocados. They filled the whole flight with avocados, and they were more valuable than the passengers. I yes, that market is really hot at the moment. <laughs> It's uh no it yeah 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 it, it it's that that is um supply okay, chains at work <laughs> four thousand tons in the lower deck uh, four thousand or sorry, four thousand kilos four tons of so four tons yeah no and and and, and I think that's also for for Kenya for Ethiopia um, currently we ship roses and fillers and greens we all put them in one aircraft we ship them into the Netherlands to a bouquet making company. That bouquet-making company doesn't have the labor in the Netherlands. We import the labor from Eastern Europe and we start bouquet-making at a fee for a casual laborer in the Netherlands, 20 euros an hour. Just imagine 20 euros, that, that would be a, a weekly uh, salary for, for a worker in Kenya. Completely. Around the Aalsmeer flower market, you might oh. find 
10,000 people working in jobs for bouquet makings. I think that is jobs that are ready to be transferred to Kenya if we master, if we have full control on the cold chain, the packaging, the treatments, the post-harvest. And, and I think that is, hey, there, there are some really nice developments still ahead of us. And, and just imagine that we can, 10,000 jobs in Netherlands, it might be another 25, 30,000 jobs in Kenya. Absolutely. Value adding done at source. Um, and, and I believe that that is where logistic wise, packaging wise, we're making the right steps, uh, air freight, sea freight, uh, we need support from the Kenyan government as in taking away a few of the tax barriers that we have there. Um, but, but, but I believe that this is where there is a supply chain and, and it's grown into an enormous business. business. Yeah. Possibly that there is a five and a half billion euro flower market in the Netherlands. That's the auctions. A five and a half billion euros and about 25% of those flowers come from Kenya. That's more than a billion. Um, and, and it's such an enormous market and Kenya and Ethiopia play such an enormous role. Uh, but there is, there is, hey, we need to work on the sea freight, we need to work on the packaging, packaging, we need to work on reducing carbon footprint. And, and, and I hope that we can be, with our KPIs, with our quality standards, we can be the, the enabler of that development. And if we can make, if we can guide an airline to have more kilos in their same aircraft, that, that's new revenue for them. If we can have less physical handling of boxes because if we have a smart packaging system, that's revenue for the import handler, the clearing agent on Amsterdam Airport. If there's less push, if there's more flowers in the truck, that's lower transport rates and we can have markets in Eastern Europe that we can reach all of a sudden because we put 20% more flowers in the same truck. And, and I'm, I'm, hey, at a certain moment, we, the Kenyan flower industry, the Ethiopian, we grew big. And we had to fill the gap in the market and that opportunity was taken. And, and a 1% saving on 400 tons a week was worthwhile. Uh, but now let's say, I think we can make a five or 10% saving on a 5,000 tons a week supply chain. Total freight bill from Nairobi airport must be a few hundred million dollars a year. And there is efficiencies to be reaped. There, there, there is money to be made. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of that development. That's inspirational, Johan. That's uh, it. Sounds like you really have been a, a major player, and I was sort of aware of much of what you've been doing in terms of the uh, uh, initiatives and the entrepreneurial stuff, um, and just the way that you're looking at new solutions and looking at the vast complexities and dynamics of a fresh supply chain. The importance of uh, digitization, I know, is another whole subject we could probably spend an hour on um, about that. So we may get you back later on that one um, and talk further. But really interesting part of the economy. Um, so interesting to have technology tied to romance <laughs> because yeah, yeah. the technology and the importance of the flower industry uh, through to the emotions that everybody's been feeling over the last year or so, especially keenly. Uh, and I'm sure flowers, fresh flowers and gifts from the heart have been a massively important part of that. Um, the fact that people have been able to source, uh, you know, feelings from the heart and, and, and do it online and, and this massive move to consumerism uh, through e-commerce is, is, is a huge part to play as well. So extremely interesting. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's, who's really interested in this. Um, before we finish up, I know it's getting late where you are, and uh, I, I just really wanted to ask you a couple of things I always ask of our guests. Uh, before I do that, I just want to say, ask you, 
talk to us about one or two things that you see. You've talked about a lot of the inspiration, the inventiveness of what's happening in the industry, and yeah. you're a huge part of that, very clearly have been for many years, uh, but increasingly so. What are the trends that you think that we may see over the next year or two? Let's assume that this uh, scenario we're dealing with globally at the moment uh, and the need for distancing and people yeah. staying at home, working from home, et cetera, is going to continue. What sort of trends do you think we might see in the fresh uh, flower industry globally? Oh, I, I, we've bought more, we've sold more flowers than ever before. I think there's room for expansion. I, I, I wish and I hope that, that the online part of, of will stay um, and, and that we will have the right solutions. I, I can see further growth in Kenya and Ethiopia, more jobs. I, I can see the value adding coming. And, and what I would hope, and I think sometimes many of my customers are in air freight. And they are sort of asking, ah, but this sea freight, we shouldn't do it. It's too difficult, too challenging. And, and it's not that sea freight will replace air freight. I think it's a it's good for the country, it's good for the industry if there is a logistic method. And maybe you can reach the market of Jenna with better quality, with less costs. Um, I, I, I can just see sea freight taking 8%, 15% in the next couple of years out of this uh, uh, out of market share away from the air freight, but it might be healthy. Because nobody wants to charter aircraft for Valentine. We can just have those flowers leave early over Christmas. And, and it will be a healthy mix of both air freight and sea freight. And, and I, I, I wish the next time you're in the shop, you have no doubt buying flowers, coming home and impressing your wife. And, and then maybe um, buy flowers again in another one or two weeks. Well I, well, I know there was an occasion probably about three years ago when we were running, uh, logistics executive was running a conference, fairly big one, up in uh, Dubai. And yeah. uh, we sent down a request, you may recall, that we wanted to get, uh, we were talking cold chain, talking yeah. food, food chain, what have you. And you came up with the idea that overnight you were going to ship up something like uh, about 500 to 1,000 fresh flowers. They arrived in the conference and were distributed uh, by drone to every woman in the conference. And I can assure you that was a massive hit. Very successful call. Yeah, that is cool. And we got, yeah. I think we got you on the wires as well. We had you up on the screen. So it was yeah. pretty special. But look, I don't think we can underestimate the value, importance, and the emotional connection yeah, that yeah. The, the flower industry provides in these very, very tough times, and especially this week with with all yeah. of our listeners and, and viewers and colleagues in India, we, we certainly, I'm sure you'll join me in passing our fondest regards and, and best wishes to everybody fighting the pandemic there. Um, before we finish uh, up, you're on two quick things. Yeah. I always ask our guests. One, uh, I mean, you're, a, you're a, a rampant entrepreneur starting from a very early age and uh, great kudos to you. Uh, many, many Dutch have uh, got a very entrepreneurial spirit. Many of the, the Dutch people that I've met worldwide, men and women, are extremely uh, entrepreneurial. What would be your advice in this current day and age for not just in your sector, of course, but broad, yeah. broad range and not only just the supply chain, entrepreneurs getting into business? What would be one or two lessons that you could pass on for people to think about starting up their own businesses? I, I, I can say that... For a person like myself, I, I just quit my job 
started my business. There was no proper plan. And somehow we made it, but we had enormous fun doing it. And, and uh, yeah, live cheaply, uh, save up your money. And, and I think that did this start without a proper business plan, I could do it because I could keep my spending low. And therefore, we could grow and develop and really develop a business model and try to find out what needs to be done without a bank looking over our shoulder. And I think at this moment, we know the market, we have a network. And, and despite having my business for 15 years, at this moment, I feel like a startup. But not just a startup. I, I have a really great idea. We have great customers. We have existing cash flow. We have, the, we have a brand recognized around the world. Uh, we have a track record of, of some really cool stuff that we've done with our customers. Um, I think now I'm ready to sort of see, hey, how do we can how can we start up in Ecuador, Colombia? How how do we roll out from Kenya into Ethiopia? And and but that that was my and I, I'm sure there's plenty of other choices. But but this was for me. I I I just I I knew there was money. I knew I could play a role, but I I didn't know how. So I just started lift cheaply. It was my wife's salary that paid the mortgage. And, and hey, now a few years down the road, we are sort of as in, hey, we are ready to make this a global brand with global impact. Uh, there's a big saving in the supply chain that we can help to make it land faster and more secure than ever before. And, and I think this is now the time for us to, to think of an office in Ethiopia and to, to see of, uh, of partnerships in South America. And, and why not the North American market? If, if we can do the same, if we have, seven retailers in, 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 in five different European countries among our customers. It will work in, in the US too. And, and, and that's where we have a, and, and we, yeah. So, so I, I, this is how it has worked out for me. And it's, it's been an enormous fun ride and not always easy. And, 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 and for sure, I like to forget about uh, March uh, last year. Yeah. And, but, but this is now, uh, we, we've learned through the crisis and there's new opportunities. And, and there is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased and chuffed to, 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 to work with our team and our customers on, on, on getting further than ever before. Well, well done. And, you know, clearly a lot of passion in there, a lot of energy, um, you know, prepared to work hard. And, you know, some of the common themes of other leaders and people have been successful in running businesses. So I really appreciate you contributing that. And I'm sure a lot of people, especially young people looking to start up their own businesses, uh, taking those lessons and taking some advice from people who have been there and done it. Certainly, it's not always easy, is it? But, you know, you've proven that if you stick with something and, you, and you're passionate about it and you're trying to do good at the same time, uh, it's important. And, and I'll just put a plug in here. Would you deserve... Uh, our acknowledgement as well. I mean, a lot of our viewers know that we run a very big uh, humanitarian organisation, non-for-profit in Kenya called Oasis Africa, and we really do appreciate your support and how you've reached out and uh, to lend your support to us through very constructive means and employment and things like that. Hey, and, and at the end, uh, I really just want the other thing we always ask our special guests is when you're looking at hiring people and bringing people on board in your organisation, uh, mm. what's, what's a couple of things that you really look for in people? What are the characteristics that you think make, are going to make people successful in the years ahead? It, it's been hiring people, and especially in this international job, it's, it's an enormous challenge because it's someone that needs to work, be able to work in my Dutch culture. Yep. I need to be able to send them to Japan and to Saudi Arabia. And to Kenya, yeah. My my Dutch 
young men having grown up in our local village, the, the young ladies who used to be with a job at a flower shop, who have now become international experts, they should be have, they should feel like having fun working with, with their colleagues in Kenya and, 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 and hiring people in Kenya. We are hiring at the moment. And, and I, I have, there was this, one of the stars within our company, he is, he is, I was dropping the children to school and I live, I lived in the north side of Nairobi in Runda and was just on the UN embassy. Yep. At the, United Nations compound, and he was just standing there, triple graduate looking for a job. 600 cars passed by in an hour. I was the one giving my business cards. And he threw in his CV and his motivation letter. Following morning, eight o'clock, we had a coffee together at the Java, and, and that was eight o'clock, and before the coffee was served, I had hired a guy. So and you're driving down the road, if I've got this right, you're driving down the road, this guy's standing there day in, day out, looking for a job, and he throws his CV into your car. Yeah, and I, I 10 minutes, I, we, uh, we, we changed the coffee into a takeaway. He was in the car and we were on our way to the office. And, and I'm, I'm, uh, we, we have some, we've had some really great people joining us and, and yeah, and, and I now think that is also, we, we're a family-run business. My brother is in there. My Kenyan team, hey, these guys feel like family. And, 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 um, uh, and I think we're doing this together. So last year in the crisis, we, we had to tighten our belts and, and sacrifice a lot. Uh, but, but, but now we are emerging stronger. And now there is, as in, hey, these guys go from a very junior position to driving around in Russia and car. And, and just this little pro box on the road, you can just see how these guys, in a matter of four or five years, grow from very junior to, to very strong. Guys and, and girls, right? I know you've got a lot yeah, of yeah, They go from Kenya into Uganda, into Tanzania, into Ethiopia, and, 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 and we, they go into China. We have all Kenyans being consultants in, in China. And, and, and that's been a, yeah, it, it's been a fantastic fun ride. I'm, I'm, um, no, I, I think this hiring of people in Kenya is hugely challenging. I'm a Mzungu. I, I, I don't know the culture. We had, we had another guy, very bright, very smart, really good in the government. And then he didn't show up for the interview. He showed up 45 minutes late. How, how do you handle that? How was it disappointing? Now he's, he's hired by one of my customers. and It was a miss. But I was waiting there 45 minutes at the Java for a job interview. And um, hey, at a certain moment, you need to take a decision. And this time I should have waited because this guy is really smart. And uh, <laughs> maybe maybe he's taking his grandmother to the doctor. I don't know. You're on the team. But anyway, the guy, the, the kid's got a job now, which is great. It's a good yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it, it's the, I, I've always thought when I started it, I was in a technical job. Hey, I'm, I'm in a people's job. And, and it's people that make the, the business grow. Okay. Hey, you're on Van uh, Look, you, you've, it's been a really inspiration interview for me. I, I'm familiar with some of the areas that you're talking about and uh, the industry that you've you've uncovered and peeled back the onion, as it were, for us, uh, given us a fresh outlook with fresh flowers, understanding a, a massive part of the economy, clearly, certainly Europe, elsewhere, huge yeah. job opportunities, massive disruption that's been overcome, capacity issues, all about cold chain. Um, much, much more to talk about. Really look to, to talk to you again before the end of the year to find out how the industry has progressed. Kudos to you for uh, being adventurous enough to, to venture into sea freight. That sounds really, really exciting. 
and uh, we wish you well. Um, and I know you're traveling next week. Stay safe. Um, yeah. thank, you, thank you again for your time. Yes, uh, no, welcome. And yeah, thanks, uh, guys, for uh, running this. I've, I've watched a few of the interviews myself. Really cool, learning a lot. And, and even today, I watched the interviews and I was discussing it with my team. There, there were some really good learnings there. And, um, yeah, well, that's yeah. what we're trying to do is, is bring interesting people like you, exposing supply chain and logistics uh, for all the, a lot of the wrong reasons. Logistics and supply chain has been had the, had the blowtorch on it over the last year or so, and not the least of which now. Uh, supply chains, especially cold chain and pharmaceuticals, of course, as we know, all over the world. Um, but bringing real people with real stories and, and interesting upbringings like yours is what it's all about. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, thank you so much. Please enjoy your dinner tonight. Keep the flowers uh, pushing out and uh, keep everybody uh, with with a romantic touch and and make sure that we, uh, we keep in, in touch with each other through the flower industry. Very fine. Thank you. Bye flowers this Friday. Bye flowers on Friday. Good on you. Thanks, Yaron. All the best. And to everybody, I'm sure you'll join me. We we send out our, our thanks and our, our love and appreciation to everybody around the world who is battling so hard, not just in the supply chain, the logistics field, but certainly, uh, of course, all of the first responders, all of the healthcare workers, those who are dedicated their lives and risking their lives to keep us safe. Please, everybody, keep, keep distance. Uh, wear masks, wash hands, and to all of our friends in India, um, blessings to you, and let's all work together uh, as much as we possibly can to overcome the challenges at the moment in India. Thanks, Yaron. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. Bye.